you know, since, since an early age, you know, I was raised with a knowledge of our history and of the great appreciation that we should all have for the, the freedom we enjoy in America and the privilege it is to, to, to live in America and to enjoy the freedoms that we have, you know, compared to the, what the rest of the world experiences. America enjoys great freedom and uh, sometimes we can begin to take it for granted or wish that things were better than they are. But when we look at all of world history and, and compare the short history of America to those other uh, countries and stories of other nations and the rule, America stands out as an exceptional nation regarding the religious, political, social, and economic freedom that we really enjoy in this, in this nation. In a large part, we owe that to all those who have served in our military since 1776, those who fought in the War for Independence and the many wars since and put their lives on the line for our freedoms and liberties that we enjoy to defend and protect those, as well as all those who have stood up and been involved in the government and helped to frame our Constitution, Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence before those that preserved, that protected, and then those who have defended ever since those freedoms we enjoy today and because of which we are able to meet and gather together freely, um, whereas in many other countries of the world they don't even have that freedom to publicly gather uh, for worship and to practice and live out their faith each day in public as we enjoy that freedom in our own nation. And in a similar way, the nation of Israel was set free out of bondage, where they had previously uh, experienced slavery in Egypt for 400 years, you know, at the beginning of their nation's history, before experiencing, before reclaiming the promised land that was given by covenant to Abraham in Palestine, in the Middle East. And it took, it took 10 plagues as Moses brought the message to Pharaoh to let his people go. It took 10 plagues as the first, during the first nine, Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he refused to obey God's command to let his people go as given, as uh, transmitted through Moses to Pharaoh. And yet God used that. He had a plan for that resistance of Pharaoh. And that was to reveal his power, who he is, to Egypt. His power that he is greater than any of the false gods that they worshipped in Egypt. And any man, including Pharaoh himself, and his authority over all the forces of, of nature and their very lives. And the 10th plague really brings that home to the land of Egypt and also to the children of Israel, to the Hebrews themselves, who are spared the 10th plague only as they submit to God's plan, to the sacrifice that's provided for them to do so. In Exodus 12 this morning, God wants us to remember three foundational truths that were given to Israel at the founding of their nation as they were about to be liberated, as they were about to 
receive their freedom from bondage. Three foundational truths God wanted to teach them, and He also wants us to remember as we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Three foundational truths that we should remember as we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I uh, left my remote at Calvary uh, th this week, I think. Uh, I think that's where I left it, but I uh, couldn't find it this, this morning. So once in a while, I might go back and, and hit a key on the, on the keyboard in the back. But uh, God wants us to remember these three truths. If you'll turn with me this morning to Exodus 12, we'll also be going back to Exodus 11. And by the end, we'll also look at Hebrews 11 and the connection made to the Passover there. Although there's many other passages we could go to and might mention as well. Uh, Exodus 11 and 12 is where we'll spend the most of, of our morning in this morning worship service. The first truth, the first foundational truth God wants us to know and to remember is who He is. He wants us to remember who He is. He reveals that to the Egyptians through the, through the ten plagues, His power over their gods, but especially in this last plague, it brings home His power, His authority that is greater than any other. In fact, let's start at looking at Exodus 12 and verse 11. And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, that ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now, if you go back with me to chapter 11. So, God wants His people, but He also wants the Egyptians. He wants everyone to recognize who He is. He is the Lord. The great I am. The word Lord means I am. I exist. And we go back to chapter 11, uh, starting at verse 1. The Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go hence. And when he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now in the eyes of the people and let every man borrow of his neighbor, every woman of her neighbor, jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue, against man or beast, that ye may know how the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these thy servants shall come down unto me, and bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out 
and all the people that follow thee. And after that, I will go out. And he will, and he went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So there's a purpose for the resistance of Pharaoh to God's command to let his people go. The resistance angers Moses, but, Pharaoh, but the Lord says to Moses, there's a plan, there's a purpose for Pharaoh saying no. And that is, look again, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, referring to the previous nine plagues, that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months, and shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if you drop down for a moment to verse 14 with me now, where we left off when we started with verse 11 through 13. Verse 14, This day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. First thing God wants us to learn and to remember through this Passover feast, this is Passover feast that's set up as a memorial to Israel. Much as we have, you know, holidays where we remember, such as Memorial Day, when we remember those who have served in our military, when we remember the price that was paid for our freedoms. This day, this Passover feast, is set up as a memorial to remind Israel the price of their freedom, that there's a shedding of blood for sins. This Passover lamb is going to represent the coming of the lamb that will be slain for the sins of the world, Jesus, and it's a picture of him. This lamb, it, it goes on to describe in chapter 12, would be raised in uh, the household. It would, it would be with them for that week or two uh, before the actual feast day. And when you have an animal in your house, it becomes close to the family. Remember, these families would have children and and yet at the end of that period, that part of the family, that, that lamb, that animal, would give its life because without the shedding of that lamb's blood, the angel of death, when he came, would have taken the life of the firstborn in each of those houses. And in each of the Egyptians' households, that would be the case. They would suffer the loss of their firstborn by the angel of death. And it goes back again to the principle of the judgment that God was going to execute. God is a holy God. Look at verse 12. I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord. He's executing judgment. He is a holy God and he wants to prove, he wants to demonstrate to the Egyptians who are very superstitious and worship many gods that he is the one true God, he is the one that they must worship, and he is holy and for their worship of other gods and for their rejection of his command to let his people go, they are now suffering the loss of their firstborn. 
And the children of Israel would also so suffer if they did not obey God's command here to place the blood of a lamb. The blood of a lamb. And this is the second truth that God wants us to remember from this passage. Is he wants us to remember the price. He wants us to remember that sacrifice that redeems us. You know, for the families during the Passover meal and during that night, the firstborn of each family was being spared by the death of that lamb. And not only did they have the blood of the lambs on the doorposts, but they were also cooking and eating that lamb. If you go back to verse 5, Go back to verse 5 of chapter 12. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out of from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorposts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night and roast with fire the unleavened bread. And with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of the raw nor sodden at all with the water, but roast with fire his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall eat nothing of it, ye shall let nothing of it remain until morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. Thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and smite the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both a man and beast, and execute all the gods of uh, Egypt. I will, against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token. And that word token Another way that can be also translated is a memorial, something to remember. That blood, something they are to remember. A token, a memorial between them and God upon the houses where ye are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And so that blood on the doorpost was a token, a memorial, a reminder that they have placed their faith in God, that they are worshiping the one true God. They're obeying his command. You know, they might think to themselves, why should this lamb have to die? Why, why is it enough just to tie the lamb alive at the door and when the angel comes, he sees the lamb and leaves? If they did that, what would have happened? Their firstborn would have died in that household. They had to have the blood on the doorposts. And it wasn't just enough to kill the lamb and eat it for dinner as they were commanded. They had to follow all the directions. If they didn't put the blood on the doorpost, they said, well, you know, we, we're, we've killed the lamb as we're commanded. We're eating the lamb as we're commanded. But why get the mantle the, and the doorposts dirty with the blood? Why do that? Uh, no, if they didn't obey, if they didn't, put their faith in what God had told them and followed that instruction, then the firstborn in that household would have died. They had to follow God's instructions. They had to make that sacrifice, giving up 
that lamb had to give up its life, that innocent lamb, in place of the firstborn in each household. And in that very similar way, in a way that the Bible itself makes a connection for us in the New Testament, Jesus was the lamb that was slain. He gave up his life in place of ours so that when we die one day, we won't stay separated from God forever. His resurrection from the dead proves that fact, that he has conquered death on our behalf for us with his death, with his blood, atoning, redeeming, paying the price for our sin, paying our fine that we could not pay any other way for us. Just as the children of Israel could not redeem their firstborn son any other way than to slay a lamb, a perfect lamb, as God instructed them, put the blood on the doorposts, and be eating that Passover meal that night. A perfect lamb representing the unblemished, perfect sacrifice of Jesus, who never sinned. And so he did not have to die. He was innocent. But he took our place. He laid down his life for us. In greater love, we're told, in, in, in John, uh, fifth, uh, John uh, 15, 13. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And God did that for us. Jesus did that for us, the Son of God, taking our place, being that Passover lamb for us. And that's something that we should all re always remember. And one of the memorials that we have, that we're commanded to have, was given to us at the Passover meal itself. At the Passover meal itself. When Jesus instituted the ordinance of the Lord's Supper in Luke 22, uh, verses 13 through 15, if you'd like to turn with me there for a moment, or you can stay right there in Exodus 11 12. We'll be right back there, or perhaps keep a, keep a finger or a marker there. We'll be right back to Exodus 12. But in Luke chapter 22, the disciples prepare to celebrate Passover, and they do eat the Passover meal that night. Now remember, in Israel, the Jews observed the next day as beginning at sunset. So the Passover day begins at sunset. So they eat the Passover meal after sunset, including the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And Jesus eats that with his disciples that night. And then the whole next day that we, that we usually remember as Good Friday is the day that Jesus becomes the lamb that is slain at Calvary. If you look at Luke uh, chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, verse 13. And they went and found, as he said unto them, that they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And then he goes on to, to um, break that unleavened bread with his disciples and pass the cup and begins a new memorial. The old memorial was of the Passover meal, the lamb, the unleavened bread, and the bitter herbs that they ate every Passover feast 
nights every year as a memorial of that first Passover when the angel of death passed over their houses, passed over their households, and spared the firstborn in every house where they were eating that Passover lamb, and they had the blood on the doorposts that night. That was the Passover, what looked, it looked back and memorialized that event. And the fact that the next day, the very next day, for the Hebrew slaves, they would be given their freedom and sent quickly on their way. That's why they were told to have their sandals on their feet and have their um, bags packed and their garments on them and ready to hit the road because the next day the Egyptians wouldn't give them time to get ready. They would be sent forth quickly. The Egyptians couldn't wait to have them out and away from them after that 10th plague and the loss of the firstborn in each Egyptian household. The Passover looked back to that event as a memorial, but it also pictured what was to come when Jesus laid down his life as the lamb that was slain for us. And then Jesus on that last supper, that last post Passover, the night before he gives his life for us on the cross, he institutes a new memorial for us that we celebrate and we will celebrate again next Sunday as the Lord's Supper, where we have the unleavened bread representing Christ's body and the grape juice representing the blood that was shed for us by the Lamb, Jesus, who was slain for our sins. So we're to remember that sacrifice that was given, that was paid for our sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And that Lamb's blood that was slain there at the Passover meal represents that price that had to be paid, redeeming that firstborn that would otherwise lose his life in a, in a similar way as how Christ's blood, as the lamb that's slain for our sins, redeems us so that we will not suffer that everlasting punishment of separation from God in hell for, if we place our faith in Christ. And we're going to see that in Hebrews 11. But, for, but to, be, to begin, let's go back again to... He, Exodus 12, picking up at verse 14, and the third foundational truth God wants us to remember here is to remember that day, remember that time for Israel. They're remembering that day, that night, that the angel of death passes over, and that's going to move Pharaoh and the whole land of Egypt to give them their freedom. For us, for who are believers today, we now remember that day, that time when Jesus, of course, suffered and died for us. And also that day, that time that we look back to in our life where we first placed our faith in that sacrifice that Christ made for us. And that is the most important memorial for us to remember Christ's death for us in that time where we placed our faith in Christ. Would you look with me at verse 14 again in Exodus 12? And this day shall be unto you for a memorial this day, that event, that Passover feast, this day shall be a, a for a memorial. So he wants to, to remember that day, that time, that ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, and ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. I mean, a law that we're going to be commanded to every year observe the Passover. Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread, 
Even the first day you shall put away the leaven out of your households. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day unto the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day there shall be a holy convocation. In the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, and that only may be done of you. And ye shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for it is the self same day that I have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, and on the fourteenth day of the month, at even, ye shall eat an unleavened, unleavened bread until one and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cast off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. Ye shall eat nothing leavened in all your habitations, shall ye eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families, and kill the Passover. In other words, each family was to have a lamb. Verse 22, And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood. And the hyssop, a, a herb with, with cleansing properties, uh, they took that, representing the, the cleansing of this blood that they put on the doorpost, representing, of course, the blood that Jesus would shed, shed for us, for our sins. It cleanses us from our sins so that God, when he looks at us, just as when he looked at their doorposts, instead of entering in, in judgment, when he looks at us, he sees the blood and he stops there and we don't experience the judgment that we would otherwise have to receive for our sins. Remember that verse 13 uh, of verse 12, when I pass through. And in verse 13, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And so in a similar way, when God sees the blood of Christ accepted by us through faith, we are saved from the judgment we would otherwise experience. If you look with me, continuing in verse 22, and strike the lintel and the two posts with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door, and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever, and it shall come to pass when ye Become to the land which the Lord will give you according as he hath promised that ye shall keep this service and it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you what mean ye by this service which you know Memorial Day is an opportunity for us to pass on the truth of the sacrifice that men have given men and women have given for this country serving in the armed forces in, in times of war those who have stood up for our freedom and defended it and paid that price. It's a time to look back and remember. Well, this was a time for Israel to look back and remember. And verse 27, that ye shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who has passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses, and the people bowed the head and worshiped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. 
And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and his servants. Notice they don't even wait till morning. This is urgent. This is why God told them to, to be ready, to be fully dressed when they ate and ready to leave. And all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where, where there was not one dead. Every house in Egypt had someone dead. And for every house in Egypt, there is either a lamb that has been slain or there's a firstborn that has been slain. Verse 31, And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go and serve the Lord as ye have said, and take your flocks and your herds, and as ye have said, and be gone, and bless me also. They finally come to a point where they recognize that God is the Lord to be served by his people, and they're asking his people to even ask a blessing for them. And the Egyptians were urgent about the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, and their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of, the, of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. You know, the, the evil of slavery is that it is a form of theft. It steals the time, it steals the labors, it steals the very lives of those it enslaves. And now, because of this 400 years of bondage, the Egyptians have to pay a heavy price for that time, those lives, those labors that they stole from the people of Israel. And they're paying that here with their firstborn and with the treasures that they're sending with Israel. Uh, they're sending the gold and jewels with Israel on their journey. And you know, just as Israel had to be ready to leave, and they had a new journey in front of them now as they're going on toward the promised land. When we get saved, you know, that Jesus provides not only our salvation, but notice that night they eat the Passover meal. And Jesus provides the food for our souls to grow in his word and service that we have for him. We have a journey from the point in our life where we accept by faith his sacrifice on our behalf. We have a journey to the promised land, our home that we have one day in heaven. Just as Israel now has a journey that they're to be prepared for and to serve the Lord on their way, as even the Egyptians told them, go and serve the Lord your God and give us a blessing. And we have service. We have a journey for our Lord today, every day of our lives, since that time where we first placed our faith in Christ. And that faith is connected for us in Hebrews 11, verse 28. In fact, Hebrews 12 describes this journey as a race that is set before us that we have to run. 
Hebrews 11 refers to Moses and the great faith he has as Moses is listed in the great hall of fame given to us in Hebrews 11. If you would turn with me, we'll, we'll, we'll close with Hebrews 11 and 12. Hebrews 11, specifically verse 28, the surrounding verses describe other men of faith, including previous um, acts of faith on the part of Moses and then others that followed him. But if you look at verse 28 with me in Hebrews 11, through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And then they go on to the faith of many others mentioned here, closing out verse 39 of chapter 11, and they all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they which without us should not be made perfect. They weren't complete. The picture was not complete yet at that time with the Passover. It was completed with the death and resurrection of Christ. The gospel in which we now put our faith. Look at verse 1 of chapter 12 in Hebrews. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finishing finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that's where we found in our study of Revelation, the lamb that was slain is referred to several times as the lamb that was slain in the book of Revelation. And he now is set down on the throne. That's where he is today. And verse 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. We have a, we have a journey. Uh, we have a race to run before us now. And on this Memorial Day, let's most importantly look back to the memorial, the most important thing that we should remember, which is Christ's sacrifice for us. And this morning we looked at three truths given to the children of Israel to remember, but also to us to remember. They are to, we are to remember who God is. There was a lesson there for Israel and for Egypt of who God is, that he is sovereign, that he is all-powerful, more than so than any man, that he is holy and just and will execute judgment on those who reject his supremacy, his authority, and his holiness. And then, not only who he is, but that the sacrifice that is made for the Israelites, it was each of those lambs, but they were a picture of the one who shed his blood for us, the lamb that was slain for us and redeems us, purchased us, paid the price for us, that we would not have to suffer death, just as the firstborn did not have to suffer death if they had the lamb slain for them, they were eating that Passover lamb, and the meal that went with it had the blood on their doorposts. So as the angel of death passed over them, when God sees the blood of Christ over our lives, accepted by us through faith, we will pass over the river of death one day and be with 
God forever in the promised land of heaven one day. And we're on a journey to that point. We need to remember that sacrifice made for us and remember that time, that day when we placed our faith. And if any one of you here have, have never had that time, that moment, that day in your life, you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, where you've confessed as Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us, believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth. You know, I, had, I sat down with a student at Calvary uh, after a chapel this week uh, who just had some doubts, had some questions, uh, perhaps not feeling like he was saved. And you know, he told me that at one time he went to a camp and he heard the gospel and he responded. And I went back to Romans 9 and 10. It said, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, that he has risen from the dead, that he has died in our place on the cross, that he is the Son of God, taking that punishment for us and defeating death for us by his resurrection. You believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth, you are saved. Is there a time in your life where you have done that? Then you know that you are now on a journey to the promised land of heaven. Let us walk that journey. Let's run that race, laying aside every weight. Let us do it for God's glory and serve him along the way, seeking to bring others with us to that promised land of heaven. Let us never forget, let us never forget the price of freedom. Let us always appreciate all those who have served our country and uh, give them our, our thanks and respect, including those in active service. Yeah. Um, I have a brother who's in the Marines. Last I heard, he was over in Jordan on the border of Syria, you know, ready to have his life put on the line if necessary in defense of you know, our, our liberties, our freedom at home to keep us safe by uh, defeating enemies abroad. And let's always remember those who are in our military today and who have served in our past. And again, we thank you all who have served. And most importantly, let's always remember the price that Jesus paid for our liberty, that we are free from sin and death and his punishment. Let's never forget that price. And we'll keep that in mind now as we uh, sing our closing hymn, and then we'll close in, in the prayer to follow that.